This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is not an invitation to make an investment and should not be construed as advice. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of 91. The value of investments can fall as well as rise and losses may be made. In South Africa, 91 is an authorised financial services provider. The gold price has infuriated gold bulls recently. Gold equities showing signs of life, or are they? Let's talk about gold with George Cheveley, Portfolio Manager at 91 in London. Gold, as I said, is slightly infuriating for the gold bulls, George, because it's been orbiting that $1,800 per ounce mark. But at the same time, it has this enigmatic quality which draws people in. But let's get down to the basics now. What What is driving gold at the moment, apart from the obvious, i.e. central bank policy and inflation? Yeah, they are the two big drivers of gold. And actually, if you look at gold's performance this year, which is, as you say, has been rather puzzling or, or dull, some would say, slightly down on the year, It's actually done its job, I would say, this year. Markets have been strong. Equity markets have been strong as we still recover um, generally from the pandemic. And and gold as that diversifier has essentially had a rather quiet year after two very strong years in 1920 when we had a lot of uncertainty and falling rates. So I think it's been doing its job as a diversifier. Um, It's just not been a very exciting year. No, it hasn't been. Let's have a look at those two main drivers and maybe we'll go off at uh, a tangent later and have a look at some of the outlying influences. But um, let's look at inflation, first of all, because suddenly Jay Powell, who is the current and future chair of the US Federal Reserve, has dropped the word transitory. He's, he's publicly said transitory is no longer applicable. So uh, with inflation at 6.2% in the United States of America, the world's largest economy, is suddenly becoming embedded in the system. Yeah, I think inflation's always difficult. We're clearly at, at a higher rate now than we've been for many, many years. Um, does that mean it's going to continue to increase? It, it obviously, the higher we are now, the tougher it gets going forward for inflation to continue to accelerate because obviously we have base effects. So, you know, prices were higher you know, a year ago than they were before that. So it's difficult to continue to accelerate. So I think, you know, I think his point, though, is that inflation is likely to remain higher. It's through the rate that the Fed were targeting. And and arguably, I think that's also an argument he's making for why they can afford to tighten now, because clearly they need to control inflation and they're comfortably through their target rate. Inflation has been described as transitory, as I just said. Do you think it's peaking now? And the the fact that he's flagged the word transitory and he's going to remove it from his rhetoric, uh, it may be a red flag to inflation watchers and means that inflation may stabilise or even come lower. I think, are we peaking? It's difficult. I think we probably should peak in the next few months. I mean, it might well continue into next year because prices were still quite low early this year. Um, but if you then move into sort of middle second half of next year, prices are already risen this year. So it's difficult for it to increase by the same amount. I mean, that's what we mean by base effects. The, the question really is not, 
you know, are we peaked? How, you know, where are we? It's really how much does it moderate? And do we get supply disruption solved, all, all the problems with the pandemic solved, and we see supply come through and therefore prices moderate? Or are we seeing an economy where actually these imbalances continue and we see wages rising further and therefore inflation staying at a higher level than it would have done in the past? Okay, let's move on now to central bank policy, if we can, George, because in the outlying countries, I won't call them emerging markets or developing countries because I get slapped for saying those sort of things. But let's have a look at, for example, New Zealand and Australia and South Africa raising rates. Will that get to the so-called developed world soon or sooner than expected? We're clearly seeing a move to tighten policy and clearly the Fed are signalling that they're wanting to speed up the taper and and after that one would expect them to start raising rates. So we expect to see that. But I think this is this is the real key question over the next 12, 24 months is how much can central banks tighten policy without severely impacting on growth in the world? And I think that's where the real uncertainty comes. You know, if they start raising rates at some point next year, even if inflation is moderating, is that going to start to see markets then roll over? And I think that's when potentially we have a, you know, conflict between politicians and central banks. You know, politicians want the growth to continue. Um, They want the economies to be doing well, whereas central banks, if they're tightening and, and see asset prices come down might be slightly more happy with that because it controls inflation. And this tension, I think, is actually one of the reasons I still remain positive on gold. Is It's a very, it's a tightrope we're walking here about tightening enough to control inflation without causing a market crash. Yes, and the market crash element uh, brings us to safe haven status for gold. Has that disappeared? I did notice the other day when the market was wobbling a little bit. And when I say the market, I mean the equity market was wobbling a bit uh, globally. Gold suddenly popped above 1800 again. It didn't like it up there and has subsequently come down. But does it still have that safe haven status quality? Yes, it does. I mean, and, and it clearly does. People are very comfortable with gold as as a safe haven and every time people get concerned about the markets we we do see that um positive move in gold or certainly over the longer term and, and i think you know that's where i come back to if you look historically um you know the gold recently has really followed real rates i.e it's followed the, the base rates and inflation have been the two elements driving gold and whether fed is loosening or tightening how big inflation they've been the drivers of gold but in, in previous years we've seen you know 20 30 years back gold traded much more around economic uncertainty and people's view of the markets and where they were going and i think you know, going forward, that's a big element still in gold. Is is uh, and really, you know, it's a diversified portfolio. If you're worried about markets crashing or rolling over, gold can provide that diversification, and it's done that for 40 years. The numbers show it, and I and I think we will continue to see that. And 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 I believe, you know, we're coming from, you know, this year was in a sense very obvious. We had recovery. Coming from the pandemic, we've seen markets behave very well. When we look out into next year, it's a much more uncertain environment. We're not sure about inflation. We're not sure how fast the tightening will happen. And we're not sure what effects those changes in central bank policy will have on the real economy. 
and and therefore holding gold in this position certainly gives you some comfort. What do you think would happen? I'm not saying that there's a sudden flash announcement that the US central bank raises rates by 25 basis points or 50 basis points. If they did that suddenly, obviously, that would be, there would be market turmoil and gold would undoubtedly go up. But if they flagged it nicely and eased it into the financial system, what would happen to gold, do you think? Do you think it would fall because of the contango effect? In other words, the future months of gold in the, in the hierarchy of the futures market would mean that gold producers... Uh, started to hedge a little bit more. What, what would be your scenario? Should interest rates rise? No, I think if, if we see interest rates rising and the market accepting that and, and, and not crashing, growth remains okay, inflation under control, you know, that, that's, that's the scenario people want. And markets should continue to perform well. And, and I would expect gold to, to perform slightly worse or certainly very dull because you know, it, it, it would be seen as not needed as rates rise. Yes. Um, and, and, and that's a possibility, but that, you know, the rest of your portfolio should be doing very well. I also remind investors that, you know, if you look at gold companies today, they, they have very strong margins. A lot of them are at net cash and their balance sheets are the strongest I've seen in probably over 20, 30 years. So, even if gold did come down, I mean, I think gold's got to fall more than 25% before these companies even have to worry about um, their margins and earnings. So we have we have a lot of room um, within these equities for a downgrade in the gold price if that should happen. Okay, so you like gold equities. You're still relatively bullish or cautiously bullish, let's put it that way, of gold itself. Now, what sort of gold producers are you looking at? The ones with the all-in costs that are significantly lower than the average dollar gold price this year, for example. Is that the first thing you look at? We certainly look at costs. The sort of companies we are really focusing on now are producers. So we want people with cash flow. And what we really want is people with cash flow who have some growth preferably actually sort of brownfield or near to existing assets. And I think, you know, when we look at the companies, some of the gold exploration companies, smaller companies, are actually very highly valued today and, and remain so. They normally are, but I would say even more so. Actually, where we see best valuations is where you've got companies who are producing pretty low cost, but also have that ability to grow, particularly through brownfield near existing assets and have exploration. And the, the way the market looks at them, it worries about their existing operations. If they have a problem, it downgrades them. What it doesn't then look at is that future growth and exploration. And, and, and I think those types of companies we think are very undervalued, and particularly because right now they're paying you a dividend while also being able to invest some in growth. And, and that, to me, means, you know, it's a company you can hold long term, providing you return and prospects of further growth. The gold equity asset class is not a blanket buy, but a selective buy. But generally, you're quite bullish of that particular asset class. I think I see it as a long-term holding which diversifies your portfolio. I think there are companies in it which are very, you know, well-valued, cheaply valued, that, that can give you that diversification as well as a, a dividend right now and, and prospects of growth in the long term. And if you look at gold equities over the long term, they, they have done reasonably well. They've kept up with the market, but they perform generally when the market's not performing. 
George, thank you very much for your insight. That's George Cheveley, Portfolio Manager at 91 in London.